In the last two decades, over 7,000 American soldiers have lost their lives on the battlefield. Yet in that same time period, we've lost over 100,000 to veteran suicide. And hundreds of thousands more of our brave warriors and their families continue to suffer every single day from the mental scars of war, otherwise known as combat-related post-traumatic stress or combat PTSD. Enough is enough. We're doing something about it. Our 501c3 nonprofit, Operation Save Our Soldiers, is helping to change the lives of our brave men and women struggling with combat PTSD with our direct sponsorship of an exclusive warrior retreat and a revolutionary new therapy that's literally putting an end to their symptoms and suffering in as little as just one two-hour session without drugs or the old-school talk therapy pushed by the VA. The results are instant and permanent, but we need your help. Soldiers pay nothing for the solutions they receive at these warrior retreats, which means from time to time we have to ask for assistance to help sponsor their traveling attendance. With as little as just a $5 donation right now, you can help change the life of one of our brave soldiers and help them finally win the battle against combat PTSD once and for all. 100% of your tax-deductible donation goes straight to sponsoring a veteran's attendance, so you'll know your gift will directly impact their life and get them the help that they need. Many talk about supporting our troops. Today I'm asking you to do something about it. Please help sponsor a soldier today by going to www.operationsaveoursoldiers.org. Hello, Warriors, and welcome to Warrior Life Podcast number 402. This is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson this week, and this week I want to talk about the fact that martial arts don't work, which is why they can really help you. (laughs) I know. Confused? Don't worry. I'll explain. Let's talk martial arts. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, we're back. This is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson this week. Martial arts get a bad rap, especially among people who train in combatives and more practical self-defense methods for good reason. That good reason is... There's a lot of martial arts out there that simply do not work as described. And I I saw a fantastic example of that this week, which is what inspired this podcast and made me want to talk about it. And that is, I was looking at videos of people doing traditional Wing Chun wooden dummy training on YouTube. Now, if you're not familiar with the Wing Chun wooden dummy, you've probably seen it in Kung Fu movies. It's a big wooden log, or it looks like one. It's actually hollow. And it's got uh, arms coming out of it that are really just uh, cylinders. And there's a leg on the bottom that provides you with a reference point for moving from one side of the person to the other. And practitioners who train with a classical Wing Chun wooden dummy will work uh, various forms and sets on the dummy where they perform hand techniques in and around the arms. And, you know, they'll slap the dummy and they'll, they'll pull it towards them and the arms move a little bit in the, in the most uh, properly made ones. And, and there's a whole method to doing that. And, and the purpose of that is to train the structure of the technique. So if you're going to, let's say, block a strike with your arm held at a certain angle, the dummy is meant to, to help teach, uh, excuse me, teach you and train you with that angle so that you're doing it right. Well, 
what I found, uh, and the reason I was looking for videos is, uh, for years, I wanted one of these wooden dummies. They're not cheap. Even to get a relatively poor one off Amazon is going to cost you several hundred dollars. I found a guy who makes them inexpensively and does beautiful custom work. So I ordered one, and then I waited, and finally it showed up. Once I had it, I realized it had been long enough since I'd done Wing Chun Kung Fu that I, I needed to remind myself of what the wooden dummy training set looked like. So I went on YouTube looking for uh, people doing that set. And what I found was some of them were awful. And I'm making a point here, so bear with me. Uh, there, uh, you know, you get one video where the guy's crisp and he's doing the movements and there's he's striking the dummy and you can hear it make that pleasing sound that wooden dummies make when you hit the arms and they clack against the housing in the in the hollow log that is holding them. And then there was a guy who did did his the same moves and they were just he was just limp noodles all over. And this guy, relatively advanced teacher, like not a beginner. And he's just kind of all around the dummy. Just, just It's weak and it's limp and it's just not inspiring. And if that guy ever tries to use those techniques in self-defense, his martial art will fail, it will not work, and he will get beaten up, hurt, or worse. And that got me to thinking, you know, what's the difference between those two things? It's the same martial art, it's the same technique, but in one case, the guy doing it understands what the martial art is there to do for him. And in the other case, the guy's just going through the motions and has lost the connection to reality that is, uh, you know, what martial arts are supposed to be for. His martial art is all weakness, but the same things that people think of as weakness in the martial arts are actually strengths that if you train in a martial art and then use some of those components in your practical combatives for self-defense, your practice of those combatives will actually be helped by your martial arts training, not hurt by it. Uh, and this is true no matter who you are. It's true no matter what system you do, as long as the system you do is not a completely useless fraud of a system. And I, there's a few of them out there. You know, and that's the problem. Martial arts is an unregulated industry, and that means you've got people who know what they're doing and people who don't know what they're doing. People who mean well, um, who've never actually raised a fist in anger against anybody who are just repeating what they were taught. If they were taught well, great. If they weren't, well, your mileage may vary. Uh, but I wouldn't want the martial arts to be regulated because the ability to regulate a thing is the ability to take that thing away. Who gets to decide which martial arts are quote-unquote real and which aren't? The second someone is empowered to do that, then we have what I would consider uh, you know, an, an unreasonable amount of control over martial arts in general. So it's a very buyer-beware market. And in that way, I think a lot of us start out in a traditional martial art. And as we get older... The limitations of age and the reduction in mobility and flexibility that many of us experience necessarily drive you to more practical methods. You just don't have time to mess around anymore. You can't do anything fancy. You just got to do what works and what works fastest and most brutally. Well, that's combatives. That's why combatives was created. You know, combatives goes back to uh, World War II or it may predate that. But when people th say combatives, they're usually talking about systems that started with World War II and moved onward from there. You know, the OSS and everything else, Fair Baron Sykes, uh, those people. And the, the thing about these practical moves is they all start somewhere. And if you trained in a martial art and then adapted what you were doing to practical combatives, you'd be much better off 
than if you'd never done anything and you just started out with combatives alone. That's not to say that combatives alone wouldn't teach you what you need to know. It's just that martial arts, the things we think of as weaknesses are actually strengths built into the systems. The first one is that uh, martial arts are useless against a gun. And that's that's almost true. <laughs> what I mean is across a room, guy has a gun, you die. Um, if you're not close enough to intercept the barrel of the gun, move it offline, you die. If you're close enough to grab the gun, you probably still die. And here I'm thinking of a video that went viral recently. There was a guy, he was a clerk in, in a store. I forget what type of store it was. It might have been like a pot shop or something like that. But the clerk, he's got his hands up and you can see him thinking it. He's looking at that gun and he's thinking, all I got to do is grab that gun, push it offline, and then I can take this guy out. Well, there's a problem. The problem is that the guy he was about to fight was not alone. There was another guy with another gun. So this guy tried to grab that gun and by some miracle he's alive to give chagrined interviews about it to this day. But man, they shot him a lot. It did not go well for him. The grab, he was able to get his hand on the gun, but the grab didn't go like he thought it would. The guy holding the gun was able to, you know, jerk explosively backwards, and his partner just, oh, uh, it was it was a mess for our hero. And I'm glad he's alive. But boy, it's funny when you watch that video and you can watch the wheels turning in his mind. It's like, I'm going to do this gun disarm. And it, it did not work. Now, that is not to say, though, that martial arts are useless. Just because facing a gun is the most dangerous thing you can do. The fact is that there are plenty of times where you may have a gun of your own, but you don't have immediate access to the gun. Maybe somebody's ambushed you and they've jumped on top of you. They've tackled you. Maybe there's a guy between you and where your gun is. Maybe it's a home defense scenario and you weren't carrying on your person. And now you've got to get to your gun and there's a dude in the way. Um, martial arts will give you component skills that allow you to fight to your gun. I took an entire class once that was all about grappling and knives. And so what they would do is they gave us training knives, like like folding knives that had been ground down. They were, you know, cheap dollar store folding knives. They gave us these, these ground down knives that we couldn't really hurt ourselves with uh, up to a point. And then they would put us in typical grappling situations, like you're in the mount or the guy's got you in a headlock or something like that. And then your job was to fight your way to your blade and then use the blade to cut your way out of the grappling situation. That is a realistic uh, use of force, and, and it's a it's kind of a realistic situation. Because you're the defender, you don't necessarily have your hand on your weapon. You don't necessarily have your weapon out. You have to react to a situation that was initiated by someone else. So uh, martial arts can give you component skills that allow you to fight your way to a weapon, to fight your way to a better position, um, to improve the situation you find yourself in so that you can use a different solution, a non Bruce Lee martial arts solutions such as drawing your knife, drawing your gun, that kind of a thing. So people will tell you guns beat martial arts. And, you know, I'm a master of cha-chink, which is the sound of a slide being racked or a shotgun being pumped. And yes, that's a that's a powerful tool. But I remember, I think this was in an old Star Wars comic book. And the reason I remember it is because it was the first time I'd heard this phrasing. Um, I think, and don't hold me to this, but I believe it was backstory for Han Solo, and these comics are not considered canon. This was years and years ago now. Um, and uh, Han Solo had a mentor who taught him, like, judo or jujitsu or something, the Star Wars equivalent thereof. And and the, the phrase was tossed around that the reason he taught Han how to fight with his hands was, I didn't want you to go through life being no bigger than the size of the blaster you were holding. 
And and something about that phrasing stuck in my brain. I, I, I should really look that old comic book up. I have omnibus versions of all those because I'm a nerd. And uh, I should look it up and see if I can find that panel. But the idea that, you know, just because you have a gun, like, there will be occasions when you don't. And if you don't have any other skills except that gun, then taking your gun away from you renders you completely useless. You know, it's, there are guys, I know people who will not travel out of state because to travel out of state means they can't take their gun with them and they won't do it. And I respect that decision. But if you want to be able to go somewhere without your gun and still be relatively confident in your ability to defend yourself, you need to develop other skills. That's a choice. That's a choice that we make. So... Martial arts weakness, number one, that guns beat martial arts. That's very true, but you need martial arts to get to your weapon, to get to your gun. Sometimes you need fighting skills. All right, uh, number two, people like to tell you about martial arts that you won't have time for formal stances. That, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stances in, in martial arts, especially, like, I started out in karate in college. And there's all kinds of stances that they teach you. Um, other martial arts have different stances, too. There's forward stances and back stances and cat stances and this stances and horse stances and that stances. And most of the time, no, you will not adopt a special stance. You will not strike a pose. Um, in the... In the famous fight scene in the first Matrix movie, I saw a behind-the-scenes discussion of that, and they talked about the pose downs, that's what they called them, where in between fighting moves, our heroes would strike martial arts poses, which is how you know they're doing martial arts to each other. And it looks great on camera, but you're not going to do that in real life. You'll never do that in real life. There simply will not be time. You'll be too busy fighting somebody off you. However... What martial arts will teach you, and it'll do it almost unconsciously, is footwork. Um, I do certain things with my feet just out of habit now from practice that I never would have done before I studied various martial arts. Uh, it started with Wing Chun, and then I eventually moved on to a different system. But uh, I remember how difficult it was at first to connect my arms to my feet, to connect the footwork component of what I was doing to what I was doing with my hands. And that's difficult for a lot of students. But after you get that, after it sort of clicks for you, your footwork becomes instinctive. Your, your feet just start doing what they need to do out of habit and out of practice, almost by rote. So, no, you won't have time for formal stances, and that's a weakness of martial arts. But a strength of martial arts is that it will teach you certain footwork components that become habitual. They, they affect the way that you do stuff, and, and they affect you forever. Um, you know, when I kick forward, when I when I make a, a front kick, I will always do it the way I was taught in 1991. <laughs> I will never not do it that way. It is that ingrained from when I first learned it. And, and, you know, there are certain other footwork moves that I do that I do out of habit now. When I position myself for a punch, my feet just naturally move into the patterns that we were taught when I was originally trained. So... Even combatives teaches you rudimentary footwork, such as the drop step, you know, where you drop your weight into a strike. It's all the same thing. It's all the same skill set. But speaking of punches, one of Jeff's most famous viral YouTube videos was about how you shouldn't punch in a street fight, how you should use, you know, open hand strikes so that you don't risk breaking your fingers, breaking your knuckles, rendering your hand inoperable. And uh, no less than Mike Tyson found this out for himself. You know, at the time, Tyson was one of the most feared punchers in the world. And he got into a street fight, punched a dude in the head and broke his hand immediately because he wasn't wearing a glove. 
Well, no, you shouldn't punch in a street fight. But here's where that martial arts weakness becomes a strength. People do it all the time. People punch constantly. People wild punch. Some of them punch with more skill than others. It is constant. So, yes, you should avoid punching with a closed fist in a street fighting situation. But there are people who will argue that you can't really put somebody down for the count unless you know how to, how to punch with a fist. I don't happen to agree with that. I'm just saying there are people who believe that. Um, what learning punching in martial arts will teach you is, first, it'll teach you how to deal with being punched because you'll be in situations where you spar and you work with other people and you learn what it's like to have punches coming at you. But also, when you learn how to punch, you'll also learn the limitations of punching. You know, you'll, you'll learn what it's like to strike with an open hand versus a closed fist. You'll know the difference. It's much better to know than to not know. So learning how to punch in a martial art could really help you out. There will be times when you want to lightly cuff somebody instead of, you know, just full-on laying them out. Um, th I saw a video... This made the national news because it looked like police brutality. It was, there was a non-compliant woman and the police officer literally punched her in the head. Now, he wasn't trying to knock her block off. He was doing a move that they are trained to use in the department to, you know, daze somebody to secure their compliance. It was a specific trained move. These are things that become available to you when you train how to punch somebody. So this weakness, yes, you could break your hand, becomes a strength when you know how to do it, how to deal with it, and what the limitations are of punching. And that's something you'll learn in most martial arts. Uh, following on from that, number four, a lot of people will criticize martial arts by saying that, you know, you learn these practice sets of moves and then you go into a fight thinking you're going to do them and it's not going to work that way. You're going to try and force a technique and you'll end up trying to do something inappropriate because you wanted that specific technique and it wasn't appropriate to the situation. Well, that's a function of judgment. The other side of that is, if you never learn techniques, how are you going to learn the component parts of fighting? You've got to learn somewhere. Um, there are some martial systems, some self-defense systems that talk about improvising your techniques because they don't ever want you to have a set plan. They want you to improvise based on certain principles like the closest target your closest weapon, those two come together, things like that. There's nothing wrong with those principles. They're perfectly sound. But you cannot just make stuff up as you go. You've got to learn the component parts sometime. A martial art can teach you the component parts. Like I said, in karate, I learned how to do a front kick, a very powerful front kick. It is a beautiful technique, if somewhat basic. I will always do that front kick that way. Do I still fight like a karate guy? No. But I'll always throw that front kick like a karate guy does you know, more or less. So martial arts can give you those component techniques and ingrain them deep in your bones to the point where now, years and years later, decades later, I'm still doing it the way I was originally taught it. Uh, sometimes you need to break yourself of those habits and it, it's not easy. But in this case, it's a solid technique and it's always served me well. Okay, finally, the overarching concept. That stuff doesn't work. Martial arts don't work. That's how I started this broadcast. That stuff doesn't work. Well, no, except when it does. And it has. And it can. And it will. For every story about a martial artist whose technique failed him, who, who got stabbed or shot or beat up or whatever, you know, and there's horror stories aplenty out there. There are plenty of stories of people who used what they learned in martial arts and successfully defended themselves. It happens all the time. Um, 
I even knew uh, he was a particularly obnoxious guy, but he was a cop, uh, I think, in the UK. And he claimed, and I believe he was telling the truth, to have used the classic karate reverse punch, you know, complete with the chambering to nail somebody in the in the chest and knock them down. You know, in a in any given context, anything can work if <coughs> if all the variables come together. But more importantly, martial arts do work a lot of the time. It's just that they don't always work. And if you train them the classical way and only ever execute them the classical way and you don't modify them in the context of practical, real-world experience and application, then yes, you will fail more often than you won't fail. But all of these techniques can conceivably work. Take, for example, uh, a simple wrist lock. Most of the time, wrist locks are going to fail you because if you haven't already punched the guy in the face a few times, he's going to resist your wrist lock and you're not going to get anywhere. However, if it's drunken Uncle Phil at a party somewhere and you want to put a wrist lock on him to gentle him down some, that can work and and has worked. And I'd be lying to you if I said I hadn't done similar things. You know, um, these these are all context-specific. But even though it's easy to say, that martial arts stuff doesn't work, sometimes it does. A lot of times it does. And therefore, it's worth knowing how to do it and train in it to give yourself these components, these pieces, that you can then rearrange and apply in a more practical and combative way. I think, I mean, I'm biased because that's how I started. I started out in classical martial arts and worked my way up to the practical combatives. And I think anybody would be well served to that. And I've noticed a pattern among friends of mine who've done classical, you know, martial arts early in their lives, who then moved on to more practical stuff. Eventually, you come full circle and you rediscover what interested you about that original martial art and you start doing it again just because you enjoy it. Um, So something to consider. These things that we think of as weaknesses of the martial arts are actually strengths and can actually help you. All right, that's going to do it. I have been Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.